Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Say It With May. I'm your host, Malin, and I am so happy that you're here. Speaking of happy to be here, I am so happy to be sitting down today with Coach Dennis Kerstetter, Coach K, which I will refer to him as throughout the podcast episode. He is the current Director of Sports Performance at Shippensburg University. He's entering into his fifth year here, and I know that all of the student-athletes absolutely adore him. He had previous stints at King's College, Temple University, Villanova, and St. Francis University. He's been in the industry almost 10 years in strength and conditioning. So I'm so happy to sit down today with him. Today, we are going to be talking about the winning mentality and what it means to truly be a winner in today's society. So, Coach K, we're going to start off today. You're going to answer the first hot question of the day. And what do you truly think it means to be a winner? First off, let me say thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm really happy to be on. Um, What do I think it takes to be a winner, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, I think... Honestly, um, and I may be uh, I may be stealing some some wind beneath your sails here, but uh, I think it takes discipline. I think every single um, in every single facet of life, whether it be sports, whether it be life, whether it be uh, homework, like everything, your academics, everything. I think discipline is what it takes to be a winner because at the end of the day, it's easy to be motivated, but. Um, motivation only lasts, but so long and discipline will get you through every single up and down discipline will get you through the, the, I don't want to do it because at the end of the day, discipline tells you, it doesn't matter if you want to do it, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And do you think that that discipline is, is multifaceted in life? Do you think that, you know, some people kind of have that trait? I, I know that I've encountered some people that I think, they have a little bit more than others. Do you think that that is out of self-motivation or do you think that's just, you know, kind of more or less waking up every day and and making a commitment to yourself and making that choice? I think it's, I like, I think it happens a lot of different ways. Um, I think some people are, they have maybe a tendency to be born with it, right? Like there's just, they have, they have that go get it attitude. They have that, um, um, they're very intrinsically motivated. Um, they're very um, uh, type A, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. type of people where they, they got to kind of check off lists and get things done throughout the day. But I also think your upbringing is also a big part of it, like being a dad. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm learning now that, like, it's really important for me to make sure that my boys understand what discipline is. They understand that I know you don't want to put your toys away, but mm-hmm. you have to. And, like, that will lead to – putting your dishes away whenever you're uh, old enough to start putting dishes away, putting, uh, making your bed in the morning. Like all of those things slowly start to ingrain an idea of what discipline is and doing things because you should and have mm-hmm. to, not because you want to. Um, so I think, I think how you're raised is a big point a part of it, but also too, I think it's can be learned. I think mm-hmm. it's, um, it's like any habit, right? Like you, you have to commit to that habit and and consistently do it um and once you consistently do it it becomes your habit becomes what you do on a regular basis and that's like the discipline it takes to do it every day even when like you're like I don't have time for it I don't want to do it like that's what that's what's building that new habit so it takes discipline to build a habit and if you want to build discipline into your life 
I think it can be learned and it can be kind of built upon um, as you grow up and as you get older, even if it wasn't something that you have naturally or uh, was instilled into you growing up. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. You, you know, you, you talked about your sons and you started talking about discipline and I thought of all my daily tasks that, you know, sometimes I don't want to do, mm-hmm. you know, after a long day, I go to softball, lift, you know, whatever. And then I come home and I don't want to do my homework. And I think it's funny that we all have different seasons of our life. And <coughs> I'm uh, obviously your student athletes are in a very different point than your kids. As you grow up, you have these different choices that you can make every day. And it, I, I think it really starts from a young age. I played softball since I was 11 years old Mm -hmm. and discipline looks different from each season. And I think truly that does start when you're young, you know, it's, you know, do I go to practice today or do I go hang out with my friends? And now it's, it's, it's the same thing. And I'm sure you see that in a lot of your student athletes as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that uh, I think it's frustrating that we have to harp on it, but it's something that we have to make sure that the athletes realize and their understanding of um, because uh, something as simple as the Super Bowl was this past weekend, mm-hmm. right? Like what choices you made on Sunday to um, while you're watching the Super Bowl. Like if you're of age and you chose to partake in drinking a beverage, that's mm-hmm. that's okay. But will that affect what you do tomorrow morning? Will that affect what you do? I mean, yeah, it's going to. Um, but are you willing to pay that price? Like it's kind of like the phrase um, – um, what is it? The, the price of pain versus the price of regret or something like that. Whereas mm-hmm. like, like, would you rather suffer now and not be able to partake in the party or whatever to be able to be better for tomorrow? Or would you rather be able to do what you want to do now? And then tomorrow you're waking up and you feel like crap, you know what I mean? And so like, but even that takes discipline being it, like no one's saying you can't go watch the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. but just, being disciplined enough to make the right choices while you're watching the Super Bowl and and preparing properly and that type of stuff like that all requires discipline. And that's and that's just a a very recent one, right? Like mm-hmm. this happens every weekend. This happens um, every day. Like you even you said like something as simple as after a long day of school, softball, mm-hmm. lift, and then going home and being like, I want to put my feet up and do nothing, mm-hmm. but I have X, Y, and Z that I still got to get done. Like those are everyday ones, not not something that goes back to something as big as the Super Bowl, like a one time um, a year event type of thing. Yeah. And I think that that kind of goes into a different sector of what I view the winning mentality is. And that's how prone are you to really give in to those outside distractions? And like you just said, you know, you you have choices every day. And I think that social media is another huge influence of what our kind of outside distractions look like. And like you said, that that could be every day. And especially on the weekends, especially because the target audience for this podcast is student athletes. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, people from the age range of 17 to, you know, whatever age. And how, how do you think, you know, distractions really kill the success of, of people in general? I think distractions play a big role. Um, because we're all faced with distractions, no matter where they are, right? Mm-hmm. Like a distraction could be um, going out, right? Like that's a simple one we just talked about. But a distraction could also be um, uh, something going on at home. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like back at home whenever you're here at school. 
and not saying that that's not something to be worried about, right? But it is a distraction and and how you learn to navigate those distractions is what can propel you to being a winner or uh, or kind of falling by the wayside. Again, I'm not saying that those things at home aren't viable distractions, right? They're not mm-hmm. like they are, they are a hundred percent potentially big things that can draw a lot on people. Right. Um, I have them every day. You know what I mean? Like when like my wife's pregnant right now. So like every once in a while, like she'll send me a text and she's going to the doctor, like she has a doctor's appointment and, and every time she has a doctor's appointment and I'm not there with her, it's on my mind. Mm-hmm. It's a distraction, but I have to learn how to compartmentalize that control what I can control and, and move forward with it. And I think that that's kind of what it relies on is, is being able to be where you are, be where your feet are. Um, and I don't mean to sound super cliche, but I think these are all phrases that make sense. Like be where your feet are mm-hmm. right now. If you have something going on at home right now, while you're at practice or while you're in school or like in class, like you can't do anything to change that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so why not focus on what you're focused on? And then when you have that moment, when you get that break to now you can kind of put energy into whatever other thing is there as a distraction, a potential distraction, um, then you can put that energy there. But if you're constantly worried about whatever else is going on, it's drawing away from what you're trying to build for yourself right there in front of you. And um, I think winners are able to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. and, and be able to, uh, focus on where their feet are and, and, and control what they can control within that moment. And that is whatever's in front of them, whether it be studying, whether it be lifting, whether it be a drill at practice, whether it be like even within a practice, right? Like you might have a bad segment of practice, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, uh, you go from pitching to, to hitting, mm-hmm. right? Just things were coming off your fingertips, right? When you're pitching, if you if you just sit there and and ponder on that and you're worried about that and worried about that, then when you go to your hitting segment, it's probably going to distract you from your hitting segment. And then now you're not going to hit well. And that just compounds then, but being able to be like, okay, look, I can work on my pitching tomorrow. I have another opportunity to get better tomorrow. I had a bad day today. Let me just put the rest of my energy into my hitting, my hitting portion of practice um, or my defensive portion of whatever it is then I can really focus on, all right, hey, I can get better at this today. I don't have to worry about where I was. And and they can be little moments like that within the practice, but they also can be big, like something's going on at home versus uh, versus me being here and having to focus on what I have to focus on. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that I really struggle with my freshman and, and sophomore year here. You know, you put so much pressure on yourself and you, you know, you do want to do well, especially mostly all student athletes in college, if they make it there, they're competitive, they want to win. And I think that that's, that's something that, you know, you kind of have to, to shift. I had this mindset shift my junior year of being like, if I truly want to be a winner, I have to say, okay, that wasn't my day, but I'm going to do better tomorrow. And here's how I'm going to do better tomorrow. And I think that, you know, for a while I got in the, you know, poor me, type of mindset. And it's so, that's such a toxic mindset to have because you carry that not only in your sport, but in every aspect of your life. And I think that's what truly embodies a winner (laughs) is deciding like, okay, that was really horrible what happened, but I'm going to, I'm going to get up and I'm going to choose, I'm going to continue to choose me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, 
um, like one, one really recent moment when you talk about like big grandiose things like Patrick Mahomes actually just addressed this um, uh, earlier uh, or after they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. They asked him about like, what does it feel like when the Super Bowl after like, and if you follow the NFL, if you follow Chiefs football, like they had a rough regular season. Mm-hmm. They weren't the team. Like, everyone wrote them off pretty early on. And, and uh, uh, he, he actually um, commented that like he said that he gave all the all the glory to glory to God and said that um, that he put him through put the team through hard times so that they could learn right so mm-hmm. like kind of what you were saying is it wasn't a good day but that doesn't mean that that or that bad day is the result of the rest of your year mm-hmm. right like they were able to as a team learn what they were doing wrong at that time and be able to adjust, make the changes and then go and win the Super Bowl and be the ultimate winner in the sport of football. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like every play, every kid that's ever played football wants to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And so when you talk about winner's mentality, like that's the ultimate winner in the sport of, of American football is winning a Super Bowl. And, and a mere eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago, people were starting to write them off saying that like they weren't there. They weren't the team that they used to be. There's no way they were going back to the, to the, uh, to the Super Bowl, all that type of stuff. But they didn't haunt, they didn't, they didn't lull on their bad days mm-hmm. and their bad games. They learned from them, shifted their mentality and, and were able to kind of move forward from them. Mm-hmm. So it's funny you bring up Patrick Mahomes because he is actually, in my opinion, he is arguably the most scrutinized athlete, I think, in professional sports right now. And I think that a lot of it is more so outside noise. A lot of people, you know, criticize the way he plays, the things that he does. He kind of has a I, – I think it's a confidence about him. A lot of people say it's an arrogance about him. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that that winners are always the very first to be really scrutinized and criticized by not only the public, but oftentimes their peers. Uh, I would say from the public perspective, I think it's a lot of keyboard warriors. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Yes. Like people that, people that like wish that they could do what, like I just had this conversation not too long ago with, with um, I forget who I was talking to, but like we were sitting around watching a game and I'm like, you know, just look around. Like you guys are saying, this guy's a bum. This guy can't do that. Like we're watching, and yep. but like they're in the NFL, <laughs> like and we're sitting here watching them mm-hmm. do this. Like let's let's be let's use context here. Mm-hmm. Um, so like in terms of the public, but you have these fandoms that have these such high expectations of people, and then once you start to win, that becomes the standard. That becomes your expectation. So I think when you have a guy who's been as successful as Patrick Mahomes has been. Um, he's been to the Super Bowl five times in his career, and he's only been in in the league for six years, I think. So, like, you start doing the numbers, like he's won. Like mm-hmm. he entered the highest f- phase of football that you could be at, and he's won almost immediately. So that high bar brings on high pressure, and that high pressure brings on even the slightest dip in performance is looked at as like, oh. Is is this is this the downfall? You know what I mean, and that that's some of the job of the media is to create stories and storylines and that type of stuff. But then when you talk about their peers, I think um, outside of their locker room, it's probably a bit of jealousy. It's a bit of it's a bit of frustration, right? Because you have a guy who who 
from the outside looking in, right? Like I've never met the man. I've ne- I've only watched him play on TV mm-hmm. and listen to um, interviews and stuff. But like from the outside looking in, he wins and he looks like he has fun while winning. Mm-hmm. And when he loses, it hurts and it looks like it hurts him pretty bad because he gets pretty frustrated. I mean, this year uh, there was that play against, uh, I think it was, I think it was the Bills or the Dolphins where they lined up off sides and they, and yes. they made like that crazy play. Mm-hmm. And then he went off on the refs and that's, but like, do you fault the guy? Like you have coaches that go off, like he just wants to win and mm-hmm. he's frustrated. Um, can you handle it better? Maybe, but it, but that right there, I don't think that that's an arrogance. I think that that's a, a chip on your shoulder that mm-hmm. like, that most people, I wouldn't say most people, that there are people that once they get that success, that chip goes away. Whereas it seems like he's been able to keep that chip and been able to kind of keep that fire in his belly to, to continue to, to win no matter how successful he's been. Um, so I think when you, when you look at your peers within like the NFL, I'm, I'm sure there's a bit of frustration that like, man, this guy just beat us and he looked like he had fun while doing it. Or if you, Oh, we just beat him. Now he wants to be a crybaby. I don't think it's being a crybaby. I think it's, I think it's, it's when you win, you want to keep winning. Mm -hmm. And, and when you're a winner and you have a fire in your belly and you have, and you have a chip on your shoulder, like you're willing to, you're willing to kind of combat anything, any outside force that's working against you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So it's funny you talk about fire. That's something that that we this year on my team have talked a lot about. Um, and it's really having that, that true competitive spirit and the fire to continuously get better. No matter if you feel like I have everything figured out, it's that drive to just keep going. I guess my, my, my thought process here is do people, are people born with that? Or is that something that's taught? I guess for me, I feel like from a very young age, I've always had this, this desire to do big things. I've always wanted, I've always loved the idea and I've always been inspired to, to leave a legacy, whether it was a minor legacy or, or something that's, that's big. And that's always kind of been my fire is, is to make anywhere I go better. Do you think that people are born with that? Or is that something that's, that's taught and learned? I would say, I think it's something that's taught and learned. Uh, and fostered, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you would have asked me that maybe six, seven years ago, I probably would have gave you a different answer. But like now I see it in my sons mm-hmm. to the point where like my reaction to how they do something, like we were, we were just at, at wrestling practice last night with my oldest, Jameson, and and he shot on a really, really nice double leg and it's the first time he like hit it like and it looked really, really good and stuff. And and he looks at me and he's just like, Was that it? And I'm like, I'm like, Yeah, that was it. Like, good job. And then we talked about it afterwards. And he's like, Did I have a better practice today? And I was like, Yes. He goes, I didn't have a good practice last time. And I was like, and that's okay. It's okay to not have a good practice. But the you wanted to come in today and be better. You wanted and then now you saw that that came with success, right? Like you were able to, you came in with a better spirit, a better attitude. And then when you had that, you were able to now get better today. And now aren't you more excited for next, for the next practice? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah, like when's, when's the next practice? I'm like next week, like got to pump the, got to pump the brakes a little bit. But like, I think that that's something that can be learned and fostered because now he saw success and now that success, like, and my, and my, um, my, 
cheering that success on mm-hmm. hopefully lets him see like, okay, now I can continue to work to get better, continue to work mm-hmm. to get better, continue to work to get better. And like me and my wife have always said, like, I don't care if they do sports or what it is, but we want them to find something they love mm-hmm. and do it and, and find, find something that they're passionate about. And I think passion is a passion comes from a connection with something. Mm-hmm. And then you put that connection with a bit of fire, yeah. right? Like I can't be passionate about uh, playing clarinet. Mm-hmm. I can't because I, there's no, there's no connection to me playing mm-hmm. clarinet whatsoever. But if you have somebody who thinks that that sound is beautiful and they want to learn how to do that, that's their connection to it. And then you put that fire behind it and that's what helps them go to be somebody who goes to Juilliard and, and then ends up being in a, in this big jazz ensemble or whatever the case may be. And that's where that fire comes from. So the, I think it's something that is um, fostered and learned and developed um, I don't think you're necessarily born with it, but you're born with certain connections to things. And then you pair that connection with that fostering of that, of, of success and, and, and seeing how successful you can be whenever you work towards something. And then that's how you become really, really good at that said thing. Mm-hmm. So I always had really, I, I mean, I still have great parents and I feel like growing up, especially in my early years, they always, you know, encouraged me to, to continuously get better and, and do better. Even when, you know, there would be tough times and, you know, I'd be really down. They always shared that fire with me. They loved seeing me get better and, and do the things that I loved. And quite honestly, you know, I'm sure that you've seen it too. There are a lot of student athletes that come from a lot of different backgrounds. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't have a great home life. Maybe they didn't have those people encouraging them. Maybe they didn't have, you know, a good support system in general, whether that was friends, family, or, you know, a good team culture. I mean, that that plays a big part in it too. Do you think that everybody has those tools? Like, like we talked about, you know, like you're encouraging your sons realistically, and I'm sure they have a lot of people that love them. Um, would they be able to like find that somewhere else? Like, do you think that everyone has those tools accessible to them to, to really kind of achieve that, that winner mentality? Ooh, that's a, so I think that most athletes, if you talk to most athletes, regardless of their upbringing or um, their home life, they can identify at least one person that has been like their motivator, their their person to go to, their person that has like made them who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you hope that it's parents, right? But it's not always parents. And then that's where coaches step in. Like um, you start to hear stories about like certain athletes that we have or certain athletes that you've been around or, or heard stories of that like certain athletes – the first person that they thank when they go to the hall of fame or whatever the case may be, isn't their parents. It's, it's coach so-and-so. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for like getting me here. And that was probably a elementary school coach or, or a middle school coach, high school coach, even not, not the person that was there whenever they started to like have that fire and see that success, right? Like if you made it to college sports, you've been successful as an athlete. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you wouldn't be in college sports if you didn't see success prior to that. Um, And then and then even more so in the pros. Right. Whereas like if they didn't have that person in their life 
whether it was parents, coaches, friends, whomever, it's just being open and willing to, to hear it. Right. Like that person that is your, um, person that you go to or the person that pushed you to be there, they probably weren't your best friend, Mm -hmm. right? They probably weren't the person that was saying you were right all the time. They were probably the person that, that picked you up whenever you had your worst day and then also kept you humble when you're having your best day. Mm -hmm. And, um, like right now that's my role for my parent or for my, not for my parents, for my, for my boys. But like, it's also my role as a coach, like right now, like too, like when we're struggling in the weight room, like it's about just bringing energy, being, being mm-hmm. the thermostat, not the thermometer, like control the temperature of the room instead of just relying on just, on just um, absorbing whatever their, whatever temperatures in the room and then just sitting with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's my job to pick it up. You know what I mean? Provide motivation, provide energy, provide whatever. But it's also my job to when some of our athletes get big heads, no matter what team it is, like, hey, let's remember, like, it takes work. We got to continue to go back to work. We 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 haven't made it yet. You know what I mean? Even when you're win, even when you win, you can't check off the box. Like, you got to work towards the next win. And and it's about going one to zero every day and stacking dates on top of each other. So, I think. You'd like to think that every athlete has those tools mm-hmm. available to them, those people available to them. It's just whether or not they're willing to utilize them, utilize them, be open mm-hmm. to hear the the criticism, right? Like, are they willing to be held accountable? Um, and I mean, you often hear sometimes too about, um, I heard a story one time and um, I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but it was basically comparing um, there's a lot of athletes that are um, – oh, goodness. I'm going to butcher it. But it related um, athletes to um, jail and success in whatever they were doing. But the difference was on like how they directed their energy and the people that were around them. And like, because most athletes, if no matter what they are, have like, they're hyper-focused, they're very, very driven. And now whoever puts, whoever you put yourself around or whatever the case may be, um, is, if I remember the story, I'll mention it, but it was really, 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 really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, because it was just relating, like, there's so many like stud athletes that go to jail but then also so many stud athletes that go on and see massive success. They both had the same fire, passion, everything like this, but mm-hmm. what was the, what was the, the catalyst that went one way or the other. And, and usually it's the ability to, to um, uh, handle cr- criticism, be pushed in the right direction and not want to combat it. You know what I mean? And that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So what you were just talking about that, I, I thought the word adversity was just, like popping in my brain. Mm -hmm. And I asked this question, do you think that adversity is necessary for people to truly achieve that, you know, like winner, like mentality and that, that winner spirit. And I asked that because I don't think that I would be where I'm currently at today without the adversity that I I face, especially while I've been here at, at ship. Um, You know, like my freshman year, like I got here, started all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I can't remember 
a series in my freshman year when I didn't start games. And I, you know, I didn't have a horrible freshman season. And then come sophomore year, I didn't play. And there were so many series that I'd be like, okay, I'm not playing. Like, you know, you know, what's, what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And then you, you kind of have that mentality switch. I had at least after that, do you think that that is necessary at some point in your life to kind of face that adversity, to get to that, that winner mentality? I think realistically adversity is unavoidable. Mm -hmm. It's um, like, Everyone's going to have tough times. Everyone's going to have struggle. Um, and if you don't have struggle, then you've been handed a silver spoon and the chances of you making something for yourself are probably less. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know a single athlete at all, like good or bad, mm -hmm. that hasn't had to deal with something tough, whether it's in their sport or outside of their sport. Um, and I think, and I think it's crucial that it's not about the adversity, right? It's, it's, it's about the shift in mentality that you said you had, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think that, um, because everybody has tough times that it's not the adversity that makes the person or the athlete or the, that meant that, that winner's mentality, it's your approach to it. I mean, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's so crucial for successful people to that are winners. Like if you go back and you look at how they handled the toughest point in their life, there's probably a lot of um, similarities, regardless of the situation. Um, it wasn't a victim mentality in terms of thinking like "woe is me" and 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 poor me. Yeah, it was it was all right. Let me let me pick myself up. Let me figure out the problem, and then let's start to come up with a plan on how to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. And um, not saying that you're going to fix the problem right away, but having the mentality to want to fix the problem rather than letting the problem just rule your life is, I think, probably one of the most crucial things about adversity that either makes a winner or not. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I'm not sure, and I might butcher this part. Um, I'm not sure if you ever heard of like the the pyramid where it's like your top portion is the energy givers. Um, your middle portion of the pyramid would be, you know, just kind of the people that hang out. You know, they don't really they don't really take, but they don't really give. And then your bottom half is energy takers. So it's kind of the theory that if you're in a team, um, you have people that really lead and they, they give energy and they inspire people. Your people in the middle just kind of hang out, go with the flow, you know, not, not giving, but also not taking. And then you have the people at the bottom that are, you know, a little bit, maybe you could say negative. Um, they kind of, they kind of bring the team down. I guess my, my question here is, you know, as a winner, you you can have that winning mentality for yourself. But a lot of teams here are sport teams. You're not playing a lot of individual sports, mm -hmm. even in track and field. You know, you're running relays, swim, sure. you run, you know. Do you think that to truly be and reach that peak winner mentality and to be a winner, do you think that, you know, you really have to bring everybody else up with you? Or is that is it more of an individual thing? especially from a student athlete 
point of view. Um, you know, you do, you have all different kinds of people, personalities on teams. So, um, from a coach's perspective, and this might come across in a bad way, right? Like we talk about, um, there's your 15%, like not in a pyramid type way, but now you have your 15%, you have your, your super performers Mm -hmm. that you don't have to coach. You don't have to tell to do extra things. They're always going to do it. Like those are your type A, highly driven, self and like self-motivated people. Mm -hmm. Then you have your, your bottom 15% that are usually messing up in some way, shape or form, not really caring about it, only want to do what they want to do, like that type of person. And then you have your 70% that's kind of like in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. That like usually pretty good. Um, Like if you had to rank them, they'd be on the good part of the fence, not the bad part of the fence or whatever. But like to me, it's about getting a greater portion of the 70% into that 15% category rather than stressing and worrying about that bottom 15%. Mm. And that might sound horrible, um, but, and I'm not saying completely give up on those people, but after a couple tries of trying to, to kind of get them on board, you start to then burn your own energy because you start to see like every bit of energy that you've been pouring into them to get them to, to do what you want them to do and, and, and see the greater good that's happening um, if they do the right things and all like for the team, for the team, for the team, you're just wasting breath and you're wasting energy. And it's, and it, and all it does is just as a coach, it just weighs on you. Like Mm -hmm. you just sit there and you're just like, all right, I've addressed this 17 different ways. All right. Can I find an 18th way to do it? You might, but if you've done it 17 ways, like, the 18th way, what are the chances that one's going to be the one that works? It's probably pretty low, right? Whereas those 70 in the middle, those are the ones that might only take one or two chances for them to see. Oh, and then you start to build that 15 into 16%, 17%, but from the more middle group, not from the from the bottom group. So I think while it is important to try to raise the whole team mm-hmm. from the weakest link all the way up, at some point, those that aren't going to um, buy into the team culture, those aren't that aren't going to buy into um, into the message, the the values of the team, they usually eliminate themselves. And after after trying for a little bit, putting more of your energy into those that are going to listen. And that's going to be that middle percent because like I said earlier, like usually that top 15%, you don't have to coach. Like mm-hmm. they're good. They're going to listen to you when 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 you blow the whistle and and you're trying to get everyone, their attention is already locked in on you. They're listening to every word you say, like all of that type of stuff. So those ones you don't need to waste energy on either because – they're doing they're taking the most minimal amount of energy and maximizing it mm-hmm. whereas now instead of putting a ton of energy into the bottom 15% and them not even utilizing it at all taking 
a taking a general amount of energy and pouring it into that 70, you're probably going to start to draw more into that upper echelon. Um, and, and in that way you are rising everyone because now you aren't having so many in the middle. Now you're having more at the top. So now that holds more weight. Mm -hmm. And I think that especially in college, you know, when you, at least when I grew up playing travel softball, you know, you might only see those people one to two times a week, but in college you're seeing you know, oh, your, your teammates. teammates yeah. Yes. You're seeing your teammates every single day and you, you see the work that they put in every single day, whether it's in the weight room, the classroom or on the field or even outside of, outside of any of that. And I think that it's very easy to identify who has that like go get it mentality mm-hmm. on your team when you're seeing it day in and day out. And I think that truly like the people that don't want to, to kind of climb on your ship, that they're just not going to, you can't make people want it. Um, and I think that that's something that I think winners within a team really struggle with because sure. you can be a winner on a losing team. And that's, that's kind of what I want to ask you. Like you always hear the term like winners, win, losers, lose. Do you think that that's a hundred percent true? Because I've known, you know, people that truly have that winning mentality that they will, they're relentless. They'll stop at nothing to get, you know, what they want in the right ways but overall, you know, they might be on a losing team. Uh, I think we have to take a step back mm-hmm. and look at the bigger picture. When you think winners win and losers lose, mm-hmm. yes, you might have been a part. Like you may have never won a game in your collegiate career, but you worked your tail off and you know that you provided every ounce of energy that um, that you had as like the quote-unquote winner, the one that had the winner's mentality, the winner's attitude – look to see what they do in the next step of life in the next, in the next season, right? Mm-hmm. Like not the next athletic season because their athletic seasons might be done, but now go and see like, are they a CEO of a fortune 500 company? Are they, uh, did they start a, a, a business that is now worth billions? You know what I mean? Like they're going to win mm-hmm. eventually it, they might not have been on a winning team because there's so many contributors when it comes to a team um, that, so many things have to go right for you to win in softball, right? Like the pitchers have to put the ball where it's supposed to be. And then even if the team hits the ball, we have to make the right play in on defense, right? And then if we're an offense, like we have to make sure that we're hitting the balls to the spots that we need to, to be able to push runners. And there's so many things, so many variables that play into winning a game, but winning at life, I think is going to happen to those that, put the work in regardless of whether or not they're winning collegiate softball games or Mm -hmm. whatever sport you're talking about. I think those people will eventually be winners in life, which is obviously way more important than, um, than uh, winning um, a softball game. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or don't get me wrong. I want, I want our teams to win and that type of stuff. Like I'm not, don't, don't say I'm, I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, but I think it's, um, I think when you bring up the phrase like winners win, losers lose, I think that that's more of a big picture Mm -hmm. phrase. Like those that don't, those that are on winning teams, but haven't provided anything to it, go and see what their next step of life looks like. Mm -hmm. Like they're probably going to struggle and they're probably not going to, they're probably need to change their mentality, change their discipline, all that type of stuff later on in life and, um, and figure things out. Like I would, 
to open up like my backstory. Like I had a brief season in life where like I was a loser. Like I, I got kicked out of my uh, first college. Um, and I had this really bad mentality because I was always a part of a winning team and not saying I didn't work hard. I always worked hard because I was always like the smallest guy on the team. Like I always had to like outdo everyone. Mm -hmm. But, um, I got to this like complacency where I thought I was untouchable. I thought I could do whatever I wanted. I got to college. I became a starter my freshman year and I, we get to spring semester and I made a bonehead mistake and uh, I got, they made an example out of me and I got kicked. Really wasn't that big of a deal. I spray, I used to do like spray paint and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and like uh, murals and stuff. And, uh, and I got caught doing it. And the worst part about it was they power washed it off the wall the next day. So like, it's not like, it really wasn't that yeah. deep, but they had to make an example. But like, I had to make a change. Like I, I went to community college for a year to kind of get my bearings back and figure things out. And then I eventually was lucky enough to go to IUP and finish my career and play, play at IUP. But, um, but like I had a brief stage where I was a loser and it took me getting knocked down a peg to, for me to be like, Oh shoot. Like you either, like I could have just quit school right then. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like I could have been like, all right, I got kicked out of school. I'm not worried about going back to school, but it wasn't in me to do that. Like I'm not a quitter. I'm not somebody who gives up, but it, but it took that like smack in the back of the head. Like, Hey dude, wake up, like figure your life out. Yeah. And then I go, then I able to redirect my life and go and, and see, see, the success that I want to see so far in life. Like there's still more things that I want to uh, build and, and grow towards. But, um, but in terms of success for me, like it's having a family, you know what I mean? Having a home um, and seeing all those like, and raising children and, and having a job that I love doing every single day, like that's success for me. And so like that loser that I was my freshman year of, of college, like, needed to be taken down a peg, redirect his mentality and eventually like was able to kind of direct himself towards success. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't like a, uh, um, kind of like you said, like it, it takes a mentality shift. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I, I like how you said that you said that's success for me. You know, when you talked about, you know, you're raising your, your, amazing sons. I love them. And, you know, you're with your wife and, and you have a lot that you want to build towards that success for me. And I think that we all go through seasons of our life that only we can measure as this is what I want. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm growing towards. This is what I'm building towards. And I think that it really looks different being and feeling like a winner looks different from person to person. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, I really like how you said that. So because I think I think you brought up like social media, not to cut you off, but you brought up social media okay. before. I think social media, the worst part about it is excuse what success looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, because everyone thinks that success is driving a six-figure car, having a multi-million dollar home, um, being able to get on a private jet whenever you want and go from wherever to wherever, like – going to uh, like uh, 
festivals and all these like mm-hmm. that's what success is to people now because that's what the algorithm is telling us success is mm-hmm. right but really like you get to define your own success and there are there are barriers of entry i think to success that like you can't say um you can't say i don't even know how to like phrase this but like there are certain underlying understandings of like you have to at least be able to achieve x to say you're like to be able to say like oh, this is my success but like even then like to some people success is just general happiness you know what i mean so having your own having your own success is super um important and being able to kind of know what your list is i think is also really important because not everyone's going to go win a college world series mm-hmm. right not everyone's going to go and win a super bowl not everyone's going to go and be a gold medal winner at the olympics right like it's just there's just not enough of them to go around right like it's such a one percenter type of thing yeah but as an athlete as a coach as a person like relying on the discipline it takes to want to be a super bowl winner a a uh win a college world series like all that like that helps you understand okay while i might not get to winning a college world series or or um being a hall of famer right the steps I've taken towards like working towards that goal have parallels in life that are going to continue to let me be successful and find my own success outside of my sport. Mm-hmm. And when I start to disengage, like you were mentioning earlier before we started um, talking, like you were talking about like where this podcast kind of like originated, like, and seeing how you transition out of being a student athlete, like you're going to find that what, drove you in athletics and in softball specifically is going to help you as you transition. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be able to fall back on those, that that discipline that you've had in everything that you do. Mm -hmm. And knowing you since you've been here, like everything that you have a hand in and everything that you, you do, like that comes from your background in sports, Mm -hmm. right? Like it comes from, not settling, right? Like you said that you struggled from your freshman into your sophomore year. Like that sophomore year is a big struggle year, but like you had a shift in mentality. That shift in mentality is you not wanting to settle, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so you don't settle for what you do and not to make this like about you or anything, but like, that's just the parallel that I think most athletes either see or miss. Yeah. Like they don't see that when coaches are harping on you about discipline, Yes, they're talking about discipline within the sport. But really, like, you take a step back. It's about discipline in life. It's about discipline in general. Having discipline in general is is paying your bills on time, right? Having discipline in general is making sure that you're, like, something as simple as this morning. It's snowing outside. Like, me going out early in the morning and shoveling and making sure that everything's cleared so that that way I don't have to do it later when it's hard and heavy mm-hmm. and, and all that type of stuff. Like, that takes discipline. It sucks. I didn't want to get out there, but I had to do it because yeah. that's what I had to do. And it's, um, I think it's missed on a lot in the moment as a student athlete. Cause I remember being there, but like now looking at it, 
Like I'm like, huh. Now I'm trying to instill it, and it's like it's going through in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And there's people I'm talking to, but but still, like you have to keep preaching those messages as a coach um, because it's going to sink in, it's going to connect. Mm-hmm. It might not while they're playing, and that's frustrating, but like it will when it's more important. When they're a mom, a dad, a husband, a, a wife, like and they ha- and they're building their own family. Yeah, and I always say to my parents, like, and not that my parents are super strict when I was growing up, but you know, I had very clear boundaries and rules growing up that Mm -hmm. I knew were kind of like a no negotiation type of thing. And I used to get frustrated as a, as even a teenager. Cause I'd be like, man, I like can't go out with my friends, but like I have a tournament tomorrow. Yeah. Those, I, I, I understand why they do that now. I understand why they built that structure for me that even in that moment I was so frustrated about and I didn't see kind of the, the end game vision. Um, but now I see it and I see it too with previous coaches that I've had, or even I, I remember small conversations that I've had over the last three years here that in that moment, I didn't know kind of what the purpose of it was, but now as you know, fourth year, pretty veteran senior, I like, I see, I see the end game outcome mm-hmm. that, that was wanted in that moment too. Sure. Absolutely. And, and the fact that you see it is important. Like, mm-hmm. and because like now as you step into your next phase of life, like whether you decide to have kids or a husband or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's um, like, those are things that you guys are going to build your foundation, your family foundation upon. And then like, instill it into the next generation if you decide to coach like that's something you're going Mm -hmm. to instill into the next generation of softball players you know what i mean so it's important that you see it because those that see it usually are the ones that utilize it every single day in their life but then also are willing to pass that information on yeah so the last area i kind of want to get into here is um i talked about this in my previous podcast episode and that is the realistic idea that we are never really going to leave the legacy that we want to. And what I mean when I say that is, you know, you look at, at athletes, artists, you know, arguably the most popular person in the world right now is Taylor Swift. Mm. Realistically, I'm not going to leave a legacy that, that big. I don't, I don't think most people are going to leave a legacy that big. Sure. Um, so how do you, you leave that legacy, whether that's, you know, that might be you with your kids and that might be traditions that you pass down on to them and then they pass on to their kids one day. What would be your advice to someone that, you know, wants to leave that legacy, but realistically it might not be on the big grand scheme of things. Kind of, I mean, it's a good segue there because we were just talking about like, mm-hmm. like building it, but like also too, like going back to um, what we were talking about earlier with defining your own success, like you get to define what your legacy is, right? Mm -hmm. There comes a time in everyone's life where you have to realize that like, okay, I had to realize at some point I wasn't going to go play in the NFL. Yeah. As a five, eight, like guy, like there's very little, and I didn't, and I wasn't the the most fastest guy in the world. So like, there's very little chance that I'm going to go to play in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So becoming an NFL hall of famer, probably not, the legacy I'm going to leave. So let's figure out, okay, let's start crossing off what we're not going to leave. Mm-hmm. Okay. And not saying that, um, cause that kind of sounds like we are lowering our bar or not shooting for the moon. You know what I mean? Like 
you can still have big grand ideas. You just have to yeah. shift, right? Like it's just a pivot mm-hmm. and understanding the, um, the constraints that you have. Uh, it's like a math problem, right? You got to understand where your values are and, and, and understand what X is before you can move forward. Yeah. Right. So I think when it comes to leaving a legacy, um, it changes as life grows. Um, people ask me all the time, like, what do you, like, what's like, what's your next step? Like, what, like, where do you want to, like, don't you, do you still want to be like a division one coach? Like, do you want to go coach at like a big school? Like, yeah, I do. Don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, that sounds great. If you would ask me when I started this, that was the goal. That was the plan. That was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, like, yes, but it has to be the right move for my family. Mm-hmm. And, and it has to be the, the move that makes the most sense not from a career standpoint. That's the third thing mm-hmm. on the list. It has to make sense for me and my wife. It has to make sense for my boys. And then it has to make sense for my career. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it'll always make sense for my career. Yeah. Right. Like that's, yeah, that's an easy, that's an easy vertical step. But, uh, but if that causes me to never see my kids grow up, that's a non-negotiable for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like in a similar mindset when creating a legacy, like the legacy I want to leave is to my children. I want my children to know that like hard work is valued. Discipline is important. And that being there is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, that's a good enough legacy. It's not a hall. It's not NFL hall of fame, but I know that I'm, hopefully going to be in the hall of fame of my kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and not to get sappy, but like, like that's more important to me, yeah. like than being recognized around the world. Mm-hmm. That's more important to me. Like this job here at ship right now is perfect. Yeah. And sometimes I struggle to have that gratitude for it, but it's perfect because it lets me see my kids. Like it lets me have a life outside yeah. of here that lets me continue to grow with my wife as we continue to still like learn things and that type of stuff, but it lets us figure out being a parent, being figuring out how we're going to add a third into the mix. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like figure out life together. And that's the legacy that I want my kids to be able to look back on when they're, when they get to be older and see the success that they want to see, like they're able to look back and be like, at the end of the day, mom and dad were always there. Yeah. Like it didn't matter what was going on. So that's the more important legacy. So, if you're an athlete or you're someone who's struggling with that, understand that it is such a it is such rarefied air to get mm-hmm. to a Taylor Swift level. Yeah. Like it takes a lot. Not saying that you can't work towards that, mm-hmm. but have a backup plan. Yeah. And also be able to be be ready and willing to pivot. Because life's going to come at you and life's going to be, life's going to be fast. But just because you had a pivot didn't mean you weren't, you weren't successful. Mm-hmm. Like companies do that all the time Yep. where you, they start with one plan and then all of a sudden they pivot and that pivot led to them to a better success than what their original plan, what they thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. So like it's, 
just because you pivot does, doesn't mean you are a quitter. Doesn't mean you gave up. Like you're still working towards something. You're still, it's just, you're starting to understand the constraints. You're starting to understand the, the challenges and you're able to make a educated decision on what that thing is in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that new pivot that you create, like allows for you to, um, see the success and see the legacy and, and, and create, um, create the, the life that you want for you to like to leave behind regardless of, of where you're going. And at the end of the day to kind of wrap it all up, like that's what a winner is, is somebody who finds a way through whatever adverse situation is there. They find a way they, they find a solution. They're not there. They don't rely on that. They don't focus on the problem. They focus on the solution. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today's podcast episode. Really appreciate it. Hope that you guys got some very, very well needed wisdom because Coach K is full of it. I will see you guys on the next podcast episode. Thank you so much for listening.